Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Julia Hartley Brewer Podcast. Ruthless but fair. Julia Hartley Brewer. Comprehensive coverage of all the news stories that matter to you. Harder. Older. Hartley Brewer. The Julia Hartley Brewer Podcast from Talk Radio. Welcome back to the show. I'm Julia Hartley Brewer. You're with Talk TV. Now, the former Prime Minister Liz Truss is launching a new Conservative Party faction this morning. Popular Conservatism is the name, uh, dubbed PopCon. They're set to lobby for tougher immigration rules, a crackdown on wokeness, and more tax cuts. I'm still uh, getting more of your calls and texts and messages about what you think would be popular policies. Particularly, like to get your calls 0344-499-1000 if you want to have your say. Joining me right now to have his say is former Downing Street Director of Communications under Boris Johnson. That's Keto Harry. Uh, good morning to you, Gito. How are you? Very well indeed. Lovely to see you. So, um, would you be a supporter of the new PopCon movement? Well, I like the idea of being popular. Um, it'd be a nice change. Um, and some of the policies are clearly policies. What about being that conservative? Be that would be a nice change too. Well, if they're put in place and they're sustainable, that'd be fine. I don't know of any conservative who would not want to cut taxes, who would not want to grow the economy, would not want to. Uh, clamp down on some of, uh, to use the shorthand, woke stuff. But you've got to do it in a way that's credible. And uh, it's beyond irony when, uh, and beyond parody when somebody like Liz Truss uh, launches a movement like this, knowing how it ended. When, when she did the equivalent, not of giving me my, my high-end sort of Apple phone for one birthday and a bike on the next and a PlayStation the year after that, but all my Christmases and birthdays, at once, that's what she tried to do, and we know how it ended. It ended badly. And so the credibility of this movement is sadly sort of sunk right at the outset. And it's frustrating. You use the word faction. That's exactly the word. They are doing more damage by projecting a disunited, balkanized party than they can ever dream of achieving by coming up with policies that actually Rishi Sunak would happily implement, I'm sure, if the economy could handle it. Well, you say, but again, you would have to implement. But again, look, I understand, you know, the tax cuts, that's an issue. Look, when public services are in a dire uh, states and we've had mass inflation and dealing with post-lockdown policies, you know, I, I think, frankly, tax cuts, um, as much as you know, none of us want to pay any more tax, are probably actually irresponsible at this time. And I know a lot of people disagree with me on that. And I'm not sure the state spends our money very well, but, you know, I think, I think we are going to need more spent on schools and policing and things like that. But the idea that tackling woke issues... Uh, tackling issues, um, you know, like trans uh, ideology in our schools, lack of freedom of speech and our 
public faces and indeed uh, universities, uh, tackling the immigration issue. The idea that those are impossible to, to actually forward, those not only are popular policies, they are they are, they are they are needed, much needed policies. And Rishi Sunak, the trouble with Rishi Sunak, lovely man, very competent, very clever, blah, 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 talks a good game, says all the right things. But a lot of people feel like, I know you've only been in power a short period of time, but what are you going to actually do any of this stuff? I think what he would say is that he is trying to grow the economy. We have had a tax cut or a cut in national insurance, and that should be feeding uh, through. There's a, a big controversial strategy to handle small boats. And there's a great signed up member of the human race, James Cleverly, who is pursuing that policy. And if you if you are the average man or woman in Britain and you think who is most likely to 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 deliver on this for me, James Cleverly, for instance, or Jacob Rees-Mogg, which one of them do I relate to? Uh, who is most likely to be credible on some of these things uh, in economic terms? A prime minister who crashed the economy or Jeremy Hunt who, who, who started to turn it round, not to mention Jer Rishi Jeremy Sunak. Hunt, that's sorry, the problem sorry, Gita. Jeremy no, no. Hunt. Jeremy Hunt is a man who praised the Chinese for their zero COVID lockdown policy. Jeremy Hunt is an absolute would have been a disaster for this country if he'd been in charge of longer. I, I think he's a disaster for this country right now. He was just better than Kwasi Kwarteng as Chancellor. No one can get rid of him because he's seen as this safe pair of hands. We got I, he's got as many qualifications as I have to be Chancellor, which I think is rather worrying, by the way. Uh, but here's the thing: you worked for Boris Johnson. Would Boris Johnson? support the popcorn movement and i understand from a number of the people who are at this launch today we're going to be talking to uh, jake berry who's an mp at the launch and uh, he's got his he's got his mp hat on instead of his journalist hat on today uh, and and our, and our political commentator peter carwell but but i understand that boris johnson isn't there why isn't boris johnson in favor of popular conservatism boris johnson was a popular conservative i worked for him initially when he was mayor of London, when he won a, a left-leaning city yeah. uh, and, and retook it against a very powerful opponent in Ken Livingston, retook that city mid-term mid, mid of a Conservative-led government, mid-recession, and after an omni-shambles budget by George Osborne. That's what a popular Conservative looks like, somebody who can get the votes of more than a million people directly in London. We also know in 2019 that he got the one of the best victories for the Conservative Party in its formidable history, because he was offering genuinely charismatic, uh, inspiring leadership. Now, whatever you think of these people, and I've got a lot of respect for a lot of them individually, that's not what popular charismatic leadership looks like, I'm afraid. Um, and, and so all it does is distract from uh, the presentation of a united team, which is just a starting point to having a fighting chance at the next general election. The trouble with Boris Johnson is actually he was pro-net zero, one of the biggest economic disasters for this country, never tackled any of the woke issues, um, and actually very, very, very liberal on immigration, has talked about having, you know, a, uh, you know, a free-for-all, basically, anyone who's here illegally, uh, and just, well, you know, just get them all sign up and then we'll make sure we get taxes from them. I'm not sure, actually, when he talks openly about what his real views are, that he is in line with most Conservatives on a lot of these issues. We'll start with uh, one very, very clear example there. One of the first things I did beyond sort of handle, you know, the, 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 the carnage of, of Partygate that was, you know, exploded all over the place before I got there, was sit down and say, right, you are going to be asked at some point, what is a woman? How do you define a woman? And it should be obvious, but we had slipped so far 
that, uh, you know, a straightforward question like that, Keir Starmer, the previous person was explaining, couldn't answer that for a long, long time. He what still has Boris actually said when he was asked was, there is a biological reality to being female. Now, that didn't used to be controversial. It needed to be said. There was a follow-up question. Does that mean... Does that apply to sport? Yes. Does that apply to prisons? Yes. Does that apply to hospitals? Yes. Okay. No, no, but saying, were, I'm sorry, Gito, right saying, it, saying it is all very well. Saying it is all very well, but when you're in power, now whether it's whether it's been any of the prime ministers, the Tory prime ministers we've had in recent years, if, if you're not actually, you know, stopping boys from using girls' toilets in the loose, you're not actually stopping men from competing against women in women-only races, you're not actually, uh, uh, you know, stopping men being put in a women's hospital wards, etc. Et if you're not actually doing anything to stop it. Frankly, it counts for bugger all that these people are willing to say the right thing. And this is the problem a lot of people have, that the Tories now say the right thing. They talk a good game at party conference. Oh, we're going to tackle the boats. Oh, we're going to tackle woke madness. Oh, we're going to tackle high taxes. They put taxes up. They don't do anything about immigration. And they allow our kids to be the victims of political ideology from trans organisations. They don't actually do any of the things they say they care about. That's that's what would be popular, doing something. I think there are two tragedies uh, that, that uh, if you indulge me just briefly, that, that, that changed what Boris Johnson was able to achieve. One is that after the Brexit referendum, he should have been prime minister then. We lost three years under Theresa May yeah. that would have been fundamentally different if Michael Gove had not sort of shafted Boris, frankly, and deprived us of the kind of leadership that most of the country had just voted for. Then when Boris eventually does get in, what happens? Global pandemic. One of the most libertarian, or liberal-minded, in a good way, conservatives, one of the most enthusiastic about sort of uh, aspirate, uh, you know, taking Britain to a higher ground, was forced to lock down the economy, he wasn't pretty forced. much forced by the consensus. He wasn't forced, he chose forced to do forced to do all kinds of things he didn't like. No, and by the time that was Because over, he doesn't actually have any principles at all. Here's the thing. Come back to this trust really briefly. Do you think this popcorn movement is going to have any influence in, in the Conservative circles? Will, it, will being all a part it of it does, save any of these MPs' seats? All it does is provide further ammunition for the, a very, very mediocre and disappointing Labour Party to say, you know, you don't have to like us, but this shower cannot even agree amongst themselves how to run a proverbial piss-up in a brewery. <laughs> and that is enough, sadly, uh, I, I think I should apologise for all of our language in this, but we feel strongly. Gita Harry, always good to talk to you. Former Downing Street Director of Communications under Boris Johnson. Really quick word from Tom. Do you think it's going to be saving the Tory party or just creating more problems? It's probably going to create more problems, not least because I never understood what anyone saw in Liz Truss as a kind of front woman. I was always bemused by that, by that no. kind of faction of even people who I respect on the kind of libertarian side of politics. I never got it. And for her to attempt it now, after the... Cluster yes. F of what happened. Can everyone was, language yeah. every, everybody? It's difficult to see so the wisdom trouble? of them. Anyway, all right. Thank you, Tom Sazer. I think everybody. Uh, today we're asking about the Liz Trust launching this new group called Popular Conservatism. What policies would be popular with you? That's what I want to know. Give us a call 0344 text 8722 or uh, get in touch at Talk TV. Andrew's done just that and says her swift resignation. Carol says replace MPs with those who actually do their jobs without corrupt. I think most of them do do without corruption, to be fair, in their defence. And Sean says, try listening to the electorate and actually serving them.
Wow, never catch on. Welcome back to the show. Julia Hartley-Brew, you're with Talk TV. Now, former PM Liz Truss has launched a new Conservative Party faction this morning. Popular conservatism. Uh, they are supposed to be set to lobby for tough immigration rules. Huh, heard that before. Crackdown wokery. Heard that before. And more tax cuts. Yeah, heard all of that before as well. Joining me right now, live from the launch of the new group, is Talk TV's chief political commentator, Peter Carbell. Hello to you, Peter. Hi, Julia. Thanks very much. Looks very lively behind you. Now, um, let me let me just go through all the different caucuses, factions, whatever we want to call them, the groups within the Conservative backbench MPs. We've got the European Research Group. Heard a lot about them during Brexit. The New Conservatives, Miriam, Cates and others. Northern Research Group, of course, rep North, representing Northern MPs. Common Sense Group, we've heard a lot about lately. Conservative Growth Group, I haven't heard them. A One Nation Caucus, they're more on the left of the party. Yet another new group. What does popular conservatism, or popcon, as they're hoping to be learned, to known, what, who are they and what do they want to do? Well, they're an interesting group. They're headed by Mark Littlewood, who's the former head of the Institute of Economic Affairs. No stranger to talk TV, of course. We both interviewed him many times. A number of MPs, Conservative MPs, I spotted maybe 10 MPs. People like uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg are involved with this, alongside Liz Truss, of course, who you mentioned, and a few others as well. Nigel Farage was here. I caught a chat with him earlier, and he said he felt like today was a little bit of an intellectual exercise, talking about the, pro the problems, he said, diagnosing the problems, talking about wokery, talking about the trans issue a little bit, talking a little bit, but not enough for Nigel Farage about immigration, for example, and about the role of the Supreme Court on uh, still the tentacles of the European Union still being in our politics and in our society through things like quangos and regulation that's carried over from then. So it's very interesting that there was a lot of sort of diagnosis of the problem. I'm not sure there were a huge number of solutions that there were talked about. Liz Truss did talk a little bit about how she felt people needed to communicate better on the right of the Conservative Party and in conservatism. Of course, it's not just about the Conservative Party. But an interesting day here today, about an hour-long event, standing room only in this uh, hall as well, quite a large hall in central London. So uh, plenty to chew over, but really this is just the start of yet another one of those movements. Uh, the popular conservative popcorn and beginning here today. Quite a lot of mockery uh, this morning of this group calling itself you know, popular conservatism, led by a woman who, not a popular prime minister uh, for many people, and the polls showing that actually she's way below Rishi Sunak in terms of net favourability ratings among voters. So uh, not definitely not popular among non-Tory voters, but very unpopular among a lot of Tory voters as well. Yes, and Liz Truss saying what she said a lot since she stopped being Prime Minister, since she was thrown out as Prime Minister, essentially, which is that the forces of the state and the forces of the sort of liberal left were forces that forced her out and that her plan would have worked if she was given longer to do it. Now, there's a, a, a bit of that sentiment here today, and certainly her ideas and her vision is something that is shared by many people in this, or was shared by many people who are in this room until a few minutes ago uh, when the event ended. But certainly, uh, that is, she's making no apology for what she said. Says, and she says that actually a lot of par is. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
unaccountable, unelected. She yeah. said about she talked about Keir Starmer, who would, in her belief, give a lot of power to his friends in Islington through quangos and so on. So really, there is a sense that she said democratic accountability is needed, and that connection between the ruled and the rulers needs to be needs to come back in a way that it hasn't for a while. And she said that was essentially part of the problem. And that was a view echoed by other speakers as well. Yeah, indeed. I mean, that's the thing, actually. We all know that there is clearly a civil service and institutions, all these quangos, all these other bodies. Whether it's, you know, look, whether it's Ofcom, whether it's, uh, you know, the Church of England, whether it's... Uh, there is just a, a sort of almost Blairite view of, of how the world should be and how the economy should be run and the rights and freedoms we should have, which is not echoed by... Uh, you know, what, what the governments that have been elected in the last, uh, you know, 14 years. Um, and, and yet they seem to have all the power. And that's something a lot of people are very frustrated by. Talking to Nigel Farage a little bit earlier, I mean, look, he's been flirting a lot with the sort of, oh, well, you know, turning up a Conservative Party conference, turning up to this launch. Yes, he's doing it partly as his role as a broadcaster, but also just, you know, flirting with the idea of joining the Conservative Party at some point. Whereas actually, you know, he is president of another party, which is riding up in the polls, still very low, but lots of talk of Reform UK hitting maybe 14% in the polls. May not win them a single seat at the next general election on current polls, but it would certainly take away a heck of a lot of Tory seats, possibly even up to 100 seats where they could split the vote. The vote. Now, you know, that is very significant. How much support is there for someone like Nigel sort of coming into the fold? Well, it's really interesting talking to Nigel Farage because he said that under no circumstances would he do any sort of deal along the lines of 2019 that was done with the Conservative Party, and that will lead into their vote. He said, I asked him outright, will he be standing as a candidate for Reform UK? He says he hasn't decided yet. I asked him about the Conservative Party as well and whether he could join a future Conservative Party. He said, you know, let's see what happens and what the Conservative Party actually looks like after the next election, which he is convinced, as am I, that Labour will win and the Conservatives will lose badly. So there were sort of quite a few hypotheticals there. But in terms of actual support, uh, he said a lot of what the popular Conservatives are talking about is in the Reform UK manifesto. But his thought was essentially that these ideas have been articulated, ventilated, whatever you want to call it, previously. And actually today was perhaps just a, a sense of telling us almost what we already know. It'll be interesting to see what the popular Conservatives actually do, where they go with this and what their next steps are. Really, they were just asking people to sort of sign up on the website, grow the movement, uh, is what Liz Truss was talking about as well. So it'll be interesting to see what they actually do, which yeah. we don't really know. Well, at the moment, well, the and I'm not sure they, they do either. The reality is they can't really do very much. They're not a majority of the party. They're not in power. And again, this is one of the criticisms. A lot of people agree with a lot of things that Liz Truss said she wanted to do, uh, including me. But your, your ability to do it is also rather crucial. And this is a frustration a lot of people have with the Conservative Party generally right now. Is They talk a good game. They say all the right things. But they don't actually get any of it done. Rishi Sunak's, you know, a, a worse offender on a lot of that as well. I mean, if you look, if you had to put money on it, Peter... When we're looking, you know, I say, if Piers Morgan was offering you a bet, for instance, um, would you expect that not just, you know, I mean, everyone's now expecting, unless something radical changes uh, it, it, and hits the polls, that the Tories will lose the election. Would we see a complete realignment of our politics post uh, a Labour government being elected with a big majority? Would we see the collapse of the Conservative Party or do you think they will survive and regroup? 
I think the Conservative Party could survive in a way that people don't really expect. I think it depends a lot on who loses. If we accept, and it's a big assumption, that a lot of the red wall is gone, well that actually leaves quite a number of Liberal Conservatives and the One Nation side of Conservatism could actually emerge in a way that we don't expect. So there are lots of what-ifs within this. I don't think I'd be taking a bet from Piers Morgan for £1,000, mainly because I don't have 1000 to give back to him. But in terms of where the Conservative Party goes, the sentiment in this room was that the agenda is clear from popular conservatism, but their ability, as you say, to do it and to, t to actually affect change, and for the Conservative Party in general to affect change after the next election, yeah. will be gone perhaps for a generation. But in terms of that alignment, it was interesting, a lot of talk today about the internationalist aspect of this. Jacob Rees-Mogg said Davos man is gone, and that was quite interesting as well, how international institutions were attacked and a need for a sovereign state and an, an accountable government, and a government that can actually do things by itself, was talked about quite a lot here today as well, and that's what many of our viewers and listeners, as we both know, really want to happen and really want to get recon Peter Cobble, thank you very much indeed, our chief political commentator, Peter Cobble, there. Um, we're going to go back, actually, to Jake Barry in a few moments, but first, Tom Slater, mm -hmm. do you think that we could actually see a massive realignment of our politics? We talked about this a bit earlier. We've seen this before, but I mean, a few years ago, people were talking about, you know, with the coalition government in 2010, this is the end of two-party politics, coalition government's going to be the norm, and then, you know, there's going to be all these small parties. Then it was massively the return of just two parties, and then it's the end of the Labour Party, they're back. Now it's the Conservatives. I mean, you know, a lot of predictions are made. They rarely seem to come true. Mm -hmm. yeah, but I think all bets are off at this point because of the fact that we live in an age of incredible volatility. If you think about how much political fortunes have changed in such a short period of time, the Labour Party wiped out historic election loss only a few years ago. Now it's roaring back in the polls because of the fact that people's political allegiances have been sort of unbound. People yeah. don't just vote for that party. And Brexit was crucial in that, wasn't it? Labour people voted for what was supposedly a Tory policy, although the Tories were against that policy officially. It was, it was weird, wasn't it? I've never felt any party political allegiance. I've voted for mm. many different political parties in my life. I'd always go, I'd vote for the policies and I'd vote for the people, if I know the people. And we're now in the sort of era of the floating voter, to a certain extent. So I think yeah. that's why... Which is good, you can, isn't it? You can... If politicians think that a seat is safe, they don't know, they can just do what they want. Oh, well, we've got those people, they'll vote for us mm. anyway, we don't have to worry about them. I mean, then, then they don't bother having policies that people want. No, certainly. I think, but it's also something which is potentially really right for the taking if you are a new political yeah. upstart. The big barrier, of course, is the electoral system and so on, but... So much has changed in the recent years. So I, I, yeah, I think as you say, never through. say never, indeed. Well, let's go back to that uh, launch of the popular conservatism event. And let's talk to Tory MP, former Tory party chairman, uh, Sir Jake Berry, who joins us. Uh, good afternoon to you, Jake. I just need to clarify. Are you there with your talk TV presenter hat on or your what the taxpayer pays you to do uh, constituency MP hat on? I am here as a curious conservative, Julia, because right. I didn't really know what popular conservatism is about when well, I turned Well, certainly your party today, doesn't know what it's I about anymore, really looking at the polls. About. And what did, what well, did you learn? Um, well, what I learned today is that Liz Truss, uh, with Jacob Rees-Mogg and Lee Anderson, are trying to galvanise the popular right of the Conservative Party by talking about things that matter to those people, including me, about sort of breaking down the state. But what I also learned is every single thing they said could be said at a One Nation Conservative caucus. They were just really talking about what it means to be a member of the Conservative Party. So um, while popular conservatism may be a, a new movement, I just can't understand quite where it's moving to.
Well, there are so many different groups. I've read them out. You had ERG, New Conservatives, Northern Research Group, Common Sense Group. I mean, just a never-ending list of, of groups. And a lot of people say, well, the Conservative Party is a broad church. But it does seem, though, you know, although everyone talks a good game on having the same views, their willingness to do what is necessary to achieve that is a very different thing in terms of tackling world culture, in terms of tackling legal and illegal immigration to the country. So much of it comes down to the methods and not what people say. So what you're willing to do. Is that the big dividing line now? Well, I know the first thing to say about those groups, there's probably as many groups in the Labour Party. There's the Fabian Society, there's the Cooperative uh, Labour and Cooperative Party, there's the Socialist Coalition. We just don't talk about them as much because they're our government. Look, on the issue of immigration, wasn't it interesting to see Piers Morgan raise that with the Prime Minister on Talk TV in his interview? To me, when I go knocking on doors in Rosendale and Darwin, both illegal and legal migration are the defining issue of this year and this general election. And frankly, that's why I've been supporting the Prime Minister. In fact, helping him out, trying to toughen up his Rwanda plans to ensure that we get a grip on this. I think if the party fails to grip this real, real visceral concern that the public has about getting control of our borders back, then I think it's going to be a really tricky set of elections for us. What did you make of the uh, Prime Minister shaking on a bet with Piers Morgan in that interview on Talk TV? He clearly didn't, he clearly didn't want to have a bet. He said, look, I'm not a betting man. Uh, um, but he was offered £1,000 by Piers Morgan. He basically said, look, I, I, £1,000 to a refugee charity that you won't get anyone on a plane before the next election. Piers Morgan has tweeted today saying, look, I think that's what I'm going to... I'm going to win the bet. Um, OK, it's a bet for charity. There's something very unseemly about, let's be honest, you know, two very rich men joking around about £1,000, which, as you know, with your constituents, you know, it's a huge sum of money. That's rent for the month. That's the mortgage. These are huge sums of money that most people don't have. Mm. They simply don't have. They don't have in their bank accounts. They don't have in their savings. And, um, and, and two very rich men playing around with this. But shouldn't a prime minister, like Richie Sunak, shouldn't he be able to sidestep this sort of, you know, clever interview wheeze from, from, uh, uh, from uh, Piers Morgan and actually say, no, no, I would never bet on something so significant? Well, wouldn't that have been a better answer, Julia? I think, uh, I think what we can't doubt is how strongly the Conservative Party and the Prime Minister want to see the Rwanda policy succeed. That's why I voted for it. That's why I ultimately supported the Prime Minister and my party at third reading of that bill. Um, I, I just say I, I think it probably wasn't the right thing to do to take that £1,000 bet on or off. Um, but I, I do think it sort of underlines the answer the Prime Minister gave before he shook his hand is how seriously he takes it. I mean, look, if they wanted to make it interesting, I think £1,000 is probably pocket change for both of them. Yeah. Uh, they should make it a really significant sum of money and name what charities they'll give it to win or lose. He'll get. But, that, but that's, yeah, I don't think there there's any go. sum for, for, for Rishi Sunak, given how rich he is, but it plays into that whole out-of-touch uh, theme that we're hearing. Um, just, just one final question. I mean, we've been talking about, you know, what happens after the next election? This seems to be the general view. You're going to lose. The question is how badly you lose. And what happens afterwards? Does the Tory party build itself up again? Does Labour totally fail because they can't raise taxes? Public services are going to continue to disintegrate. They're not going to tackle a lot of the issues that people are angry at the Tories for not tackling. Or does a new party rise from the flames? What do you think? Well, I, the first thing to say is if there was a magic wand that we could fix the NHS with, we could 
cut people's taxes, we'd lower the deficit, we'd create more people in our armed forces, we would now be, as a Conservative Party, waving it frantically at all the problems. There is no magic wand. So if the Labour Party do win the next election, all the fundamental challenges that Still we, there. the Conservative government, has faced will be the same challenges faced by the Labour Party. And I think they are particularly badly uh, sort of placed to deal with them, particularly when you take into view their views on things like increasing taxes when you have a cost of living crisis. Okay. Clearly, absolutely the wrong thing to do. Look, you say the oh, Conservative well, Party well, will lose the next general the Tory election. Party I, in politics, Jay, in politics, Jay, the Julia. Tory Party increased taxes in the middle of a, tax, a cost of living crisis. Yeah, but we've just done a tax cut this month. No, the so tax cut we, we've learned, the tax we were, we're trying to mend our ways. Anyway, let me answer the, the question, rises. Julia. Come on. Your party, your government let, introduced let tax rises in the middle of a cost of living crisis. You can't criticise Labour for doing yeah, it if they're and, planning to do but it. But the one thing we do know, Julia... Go on, let, let, give me a go. Let me have an answer. Uh, the one thing we do know, Julia, is that the, the Labour Party has already stated that it's going to increase taxes on things mm. like school fees. Yeah, it doesn't affect many people, oh. but they're going to spend 28 billion quid I mean, let me, let me, let me cry for the people That's why Rachel Reeves says. That's why Rachel Reeves says at the same time, of course, she's going to stick by her fiscal rules. For an average person, that will be a four okay. pence increase right. in the pound on the basic rate of income I tax. am going to have so to So we know the Labour Party is going to massively put up taxes and... That's why I think the election's all still in pay, Julia. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, I, I would say to you, you never, you never know. A week is a long time in politics, certainly, you know, quite a few months is. Uh, Jake Perry, thank you very much indeed for yeah. joining us. Uh, right, uh, we're going to... Julia can we, Can we quickly squeeze in some, uh, uh, some texts and tweets, though, on uh, this new launch of this new group? I uh, just want to see what you've been having to say. You can give us a call, 0344 text treble two, or you can get a message to us on X at Talk TV. Dean has said, uh, MPs have capped expenses when I mean, they are capped expenses uh, food and drink no longer subsidized in parliament fair enough uh, capped amount on second homes it, they are all capped that's already happening uh, rob says overhaul the home office 12 month moratorium on all immigration and cross-party commission to overhaul the nhs quite in favour quite a lot of that. Jean says, bring back free speech, restoring the right to protest, scrapping any and all policies connected to net zero and withdraw support for foreign wars. I was with you all the way until the foreign wars thing, uh, but great to have your views. Thank you very much. The Julia Hartley Brewer podcast. Ruthless but fair. Julia Hartley Brewer. Comprehensive coverage of all the new stories.